Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back, everyone, to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Tom Nixon, here, of course, with my co-host and fellow founder, Jay Harrington. Jay, this is a, uh, a big week. Yeah, it's uh, it's registration week, or I guess two-week period. And what we're referencing is um, the Thought Leader Collaborative is open for new members. Um, today, when we're recording, it's December 7th. Registration opened yesterday and will remain open until December 20th. So yeah, we're uh, we're in we're in pitch mode here. <laughs> yeah, yes, we are. We have a sponsor today, as they yeah. say. Um, and maybe we should um, just step back for those who aren't familiar with the Thought Leader Collaborative, which we may refer to from time to time as simply the lab. Um, explain what that is in case people are interested in joining us in the lab. Uh, what would they get out of it? And uh, what's its purpose? Yeah, for sure. So I guess we'll start with who it's for. Um, it's for anyone in mostly it's professional services generally, but it's for people who are, you know, selling expertise, um, knowledge workers who, you know, want to have maybe be responsible for building a practice of sorts, have clients, um, maybe in a role that is working with folks like that, like legal marketing professionals, um, business development professionals, anyone who is looking to kind of package and promote and highlight expertise in um, online domains, in particular LinkedIn. Uh, the, the lab is a training program and online membership community um, that helps to give you the resources, tools, um, and community and network that is necessary to really learn how to excel and use LinkedIn as a thought leadership platform, networking, client development tool, all the kinds of things that people can do on LinkedIn. We we teach you how um, in a very collaborative, community-oriented environment. Yeah, and it was born in part uh, from, you know, what we all experienced in the past 20 months or so, which, as you and I have said, only probably accelerated. It didn't create a new normal. I think it accelerated what is going to be the new normal in terms of just how we network, how we develop business, how we get expertise out into the world. All of those things quickly went digital um, and on screens um, because we had to. And some people were forced into it. Some people, I think, gravitated toward the new normal. But th that's what this is for. And I think, Jay, you agree that we're probably never fully going back to the old days of just inviting people to long disruptive lunches in the middle of the day or, uh, you know, crowded cocktail parties, at least in the short term. So this is a new way, a new methodology for a lot of people that is, is foreign to some. We have some in the, in the lab that like this whole idea of being on LinkedIn and, and exposing their content and their ideas to the general public is a bit uncomfortable, but they're learning how to do it and why it's so important. Yeah, that's right. And and I think, you know, the future, who knows what it holds, but it's it could be some blended, you know, approach as to but I don't think I don't think the importance of having a digital footprint is is gonna lessen. I think it will only grow in importance. Um and and that's kind of what we're we're focused on helping people to do is to create that footprint so they're visible to their prospective clients and other people online. I mean, we we point a lot to we probably cited you know, a dozen times on this podcast, research from Gartner, um, and there's new new research that came out this year that was highlighted as part of the rollout of the the thought leadership impact study that was rolled out. But um, 
83% of the buying process um, of professional services um, is, according to Gartner, taking place before a buyer ever invites a service provider into the conversation. So, you know, what that means in practical terms is they're doing all of their due diligence, winnowing down their options, vetting their choices um, based on things that they can, buyers can find about the, the potential solutions providers that they're looking for um, based on their digital footprint. So if you're not, again, if you're not visible, if you're not in the game, in those conversations, you can have a really hard time um, getting those clients and generating that work. Yep, absolutely. Which is probably a good segue into the topic uh, for today. But uh, before we dive into that, we'll just let our sponsor have one more plug. If you're interested in learning more about this or joining, again, membership is open. Registration is open in, from now until midnight, um, I think Pacific time, right, um, on December 20th. Um, it's a monthly subscription fee. We do also have discounts if you want to sign up for the whole year or if you are a student, we have a steeply discounted membership fee. So check it out at thoughtleadercollaborative.com and we'll post that in the show notes. So Jay, that's the segue into a topic that you and I both kind of hit on uh, separately. And then when we convened, it was like, oh yeah, I saw that too. And it, I think this is the most discussed and shared piece of thought leadership content in our circles in terms of content marketing. And it was an article written by Mark Schaefer, who has a, a pretty big following and is a thought leader in the space of content marketing. And he introduced to the world something of a maybe, I don't want to say controversial, but it was maybe counterintuitive to, to conventional wisdom of how we marketers used to approach thought leadership and where it's published uh, just a couple of years ago, how much that's changed. Yeah, that's right. So um, the article that we're referencing and that we'll link to in the show notes um, by Mark Schaefer is, is titled, Why You Need to Build a Content Strategy on Rented Land, period. In fact, you have no choice. Um, so we want to dig into that and really kind of unpack that issue a little bit. Um, I know by the title, unless you're a, a content marketer um, by trade, that may not make intuitive sense to you right off the bat. Um, but that's what we're going to get into today. Um, so I thought, Tom, we could start just by laying some groundwork and and maybe describing um, the the difference between what we'll call you know content strategy on rented land, as Mark is is advising, versus content strategy on on owned land. I guess is the uh, sort of the flip side of that. So do you want to provide that breakdown, or you want me to take that on? Yeah, and one other kind of inside baseball thing I'll reference that people, maybe we can link to in the show notes or people can look at it, is something that's called the PESO model, which is a mm -hmm. modern form of integrated marketing that integrates all forms of paid media, earned media, shared media, and owned media. Owned media, we'll start there because I think that's where people should start, is the stuff that you have 100% control over. You're the publisher, you're the editor, you're the gatekeeper. That's things like your website, your blog, your email marketing. That's owned land. And for years, when content marketers started and the internet was maturing, the whole name of the game for what we did is we would advise people, try to get people back to your owned land, your owned, your home base, because that's where the selling happens and that's where the conversions happen. So anything that we did out in the shared media, the S in peso, what we're now referring to today as rented land, was all a way to kind of capture someone's interest and get them back onto your turf. And so that's what we would espouse. We'd say, if you're going to publish a piece of content, do it on your owned property, your owned land. 
publish it certainly in the shared media like social media and forums and things like that but the intent was get that user clicking back to where you want them in the game to say the least jay has changed yeah yeah for sure um so you know that we, we can contrast that about you know thinking about you kind of creating a platform for yourself that where that's the the dominant place where you're you're when you're writing content that's where you're posting it first and foremost and you're trying to kind of create this um, traffic flow back to your site which will then convert into opportunities um mark Schaefer, for various reasons, we'll we'll get into a few of them. Suggest the opposite approach, which is um, focusing your content strategy on rented land. And by rented land, um, what he is saying is um, you know, places like LinkedIn or um, other social media platforms. Basically, finding where your audience is, and that's probably not your own website, and going all in on kind of using. Um, rented land as he puts it to to get your content into the flow of information that's getting in front of your people because um for you know there's a there's a couple of things he cites tom which would include um you know just the way google has changed you know when we when we build when we trying to approach content strategy as trying to drive people back to our own platforms or websites oftentimes we're relying on things like seo and google to point people back to our sites um, Mark is pointing to data, um, which actually comes from um, Rand Fishkin, who talks about how Google is sending more people to, uh, you know, pay the, and, and highlighting paid ads and Google owned properties and just search isn't what it used to be, right? The, the organic SEO opportunity is not there the way it used to be. And then in addition to that, the way people used to use social media uh, platforms to drive traffic back to their own website or other platform um, and how as we've talked about many times on this podcast platforms like linkedin or or facebook or wherever else to the extent that you're sharing links to your posts that live on your website how that that content is being restricted in a real way because those platforms don't want people leaving the platform to go to your website. They want people to stay on the platform. So for, for those and other reasons, Mark is suggesting, you know, don't, don't fight it, you know, don't fight where the world's headed, which is sort of restricting your ability to send people back to your own platform and just like get into the game and the conversation where it's happening. That's right. They used to say never pick fights with somebody who buys ink by the barrel full. Right. right. And I think now it's let's not pick fights with people who buy pixels by the giga something, right? Mm -hmm. Or the terabyte. Yeah. Um, yeah. In other words, you're, you're not going to win the battle against Google's algorithm and LinkedIn's algorithm. And just to put a maybe not too fine a point on it, but what we're saying is that LinkedIn's algorithm is specifically written and designed to suppress content that contains a link to another site, such as your own. Um, especially if it's a low traffic site and it's not of high influence. So what that means is, is when they're trying to figure out the little robots are trying to construct somebody's feed, you know, a user goes into LinkedIn, they start scrolling th through their feed an algorithm is driving what content gets fed into that. And certain things are weighted. If your content that is specifically designed to get people back to your website is going against say a piece of content where it's just a picture or it's just a text post, um, that your post is gonna lose that battle and it's gonna get pushed down uh, in favor of some other content. So when we say don't pick fights, like 
this is what we have to do. We have to change our strategies. And you and I have done this in the past year, even only um, to rethink how we're, how and where we're publishing thought leadership content. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I want to tie this back to, you know, to more, maybe some of the language we use that people have probably heard before in terms of how we speak about thought leadership as it relates to, you know, professional service providers and, and, and becoming thought leaders. Uh, it, you know, via their content. And, and so I think what we're going to get to, what we're working towards is that, you know, we, I agree with a lot of the principles espoused um, by Mark Schaefer in this article, um, but maybe there's, you know, maybe it's not a binary approach where it's, it's all one way or the other, we'll find some middle ground, but on the way there, there are, there is really some merit to, I think a lot of what Mark is saying here. Um, because if we think again about sort of the fundamental building blocks of client relationships and the purpose behind thought leadership, it's to do you know two main things, which is to generate awareness of us, right, as professionals and as thought leaders, and then to build trust with an audience. And you know, obviously, if we think about the those two things as important pillars or building blocks of thought leadership, um, if we don't have access to an audience, um, because we're we're publishing everything on our own website or blog, then that obviously is going to inhibit our ability to generate awareness um, to a great extent. So we're, you know, Mark has a, a line in his article where he talks about, um, quote, the economic value of content that is not seen and shared is zero. So, you know, there's no point in investing all of this time and effort in creating thought leadership content. The goal is not to create content per se, it's to create content that's seen by others and generates awareness and builds trust with an audience. So we need to take that into account, which makes a lot of sense as to why you'd be publishing more on quote rented land. Um, and then if we think about the whole, the job um, of building trust with an audience, this is where the whole notion of, you know, the, the funnel, right? Um, the marketing funnel that has traditionally been, been advocated for and utilized where you publish content on your website, you know, promote that content on social media, you hope for organic SEO um, traffic via Google being sent back to your site. When someone gets to your site through an article you've written, maybe then you have a piece of content that's behind the gate, right? Um, requesting someone's email address. Once they download that content, you have their email address. Maybe you have an email sequence they get sent. And, and that's a pretty common, you know, kind of tactic that's that's been done um, for many, many years. Um, one thing when we talk about the issue of trust is there so many people have been burned over time by, you know, downloading a piece of content that behind a gate that doesn't live up to its promise. And then they just get spammed by, you know, an endless email sequence and, and that erodes people's trust in anyone trying to kind of hide the ball when it comes to content creation, right? And we've, we've talked about this, Tom, a few times in recent podcast episodes where um, we've talked about like, should you have content behind a gate or not? And I do think this issue of, you know, it's people's trust uh, is low when it comes to sending or giving their email address to anyone for anything these days. So to the extent that you are doing that, you're at risk of, you know, A, someone, like the likelihood of people giving their email address in exchange for content is is lower nowadays. And, and is it really worth and is it really building trust if that content is not getting in front of people? So there's an argument against, there's an argument for like removing all gates to content, which, which we talked about before, which I think plays into this issue of rented versus own land. Yeah, 
I agree. I mean, I think uh, to your last point about people being burned, I think everyone has a burner account. Mm-hmm. You know, you know yeah. that term on social <laughs> media, yes. right? It's where it's your fake yep. self and you get yep. to do whatever you want. Well, I have a burner email account. Most of you will recognize it as your yahoo.com email address that you never <laughs> use, but right. you give it to the re- cash register, uh, you know, operator when they're going to, you know, sign you up for exclusive deals. So like, I don't even know how effective that is. Then if you're capturing email addresses, that looks like a win and a conversion in your mar- fancy marketing metrics. But if it's a burner account, then yep. it does you no good. Right. And so I think um, even if your content is great and you're not, you know, hiding the ball and it's worthy of a download, maybe if it's even worthy of purchase because other people have been doing this for 10 years, you're thrown in with that bathwater, your baby. Sorry. It is. So um, there's some other ways that you can maybe create gated content. I mentioned one just a second ago, which is actually charging for it. But um, by and large, what we're talking about is, again, and I just wanted to point this out for our listeners, is that we're talking about a very specific type of person, going back to what you said at the beginning. Who is this for? Who is the lab for? Who is this podcast for? It's for people who are sharing expertise. I'm sorry, selling expertise for a living as well as their time. And you can't undervalue how much trust is critical in that marketing journey that you just talked about, right? So it's not, not every marketer is in this same sort of space where you have to earn trust before you're even in consideration, but that's who we're talking about. So when we're talking about this blend that you and I are going to, I think, advocate for between Mark Schaefer's approach and maybe some of the other traditional approaches, keep in mind that we're talking specifically for those types of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it boils down to, I, I don't know, everyone has to kind of use their own judgment on this, but like, if I think about, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from a place of having some gated content on, on, you know, on my website. So I don't, I I'm, I'm, I'm sort of rethinking this because I, I thought I, you know, I understood the value of that and it, it is valuable to get people on an email list, but to your point, Tom, for sure. Are those really, I, I can, I know if I looked at the email list that, um, that I have, there's a significant amount of Gmail, Yahoo email addresses <laughs> when I know that most anyone who would be interested in my content is, is a lawyer working at a law firm. And maybe that's fine because they check that account and, and it would get caught up and an email I sent them would get caught up in the law firm spam filter anyway, but it's probably a burner in, in many cases. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Right. Um, and I don't know, at the end of the day, um, I think about my ideal client audience and it's like, you know, is, is my ideal client going to like take the extra time uh, to they're, they're a busy professional. They're looking for help. Like, I guess if they find it really valuable, they'll do that. But isn't it better that I just get the thing in their hands in front of them um, with less friction? And isn't that going to build more trust than them feeling like annoyed by the fact they've got to enter some information to get this document that I've, that I've created that I'm giving away for free anyway? You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm, we're, we're talking about the same issue again, but I think it's, I think it really, it cuts through a lot of, of, you know, what you do online and how you approach thought leadership. It's like, do you just, you know, do you give your best ideas away for free or do you hold back? And like, what's the, what's the better approach in today's environment? Well, what do you want to happen? Right. It, mm-hmm. Let's just take all of the marketing terminology out of it and say, what do you want to happen? Well, I want somebody to know who I am, what I'm good at, and to trust me that if they ever have the problem that I solve, that they would at least consider calling me and putting me on a short list. That's what all you want, really, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's not, I don't measure quote unquote conversions by email captures or clicks or links or any of that stuff. I know that most of my marketing is working without me even knowing 
that it's working and or on whom. And I just trust that if I keep doing the right things and putting sharing, as you say, sharing my best ideas for free, that that is going to ultimately achieve the objective that I just stated, right? I want people to know who I am, what I do, what problems I solve. And then if they have encountered that problem, that they will consider me uh, as a candidate to solve it. So segue that then maybe, Jane, to what we're specifically talking about in terms of sharing content on rented land. What -hmm. does that look like? If it's not a blog post on your firm's website with a link, what are we talking about? Let's just, again. Yeah, yeah. the easiest, most relevant and contextualized example, that would be something we've we've also talked about before, which is the whole concept of starting to use LinkedIn as your blog, not just as a place you promote content from your blog. So the way that we operate to a large extent, which is, you know, if, if, I, if you've got a starting point for an idea you want to share, like it's better to to share that idea via a short LinkedIn post than it is to, you know, screw around like put it, you know, trying to create something super long, put it on your own website where you're just hoping and praying someone sees it. Better to just put it in front of the audience you've cultivated um, where people are spending their time and attention, like LinkedIn. So that LinkedIn is rented land and your ability to consistently and frequently get ideas out there in that marketplace um, is is the kind of the approach that I think, um, you know, is what we're talking about when we're talking about rented land. Right. And that's, you know, the sponsor wants me to put in another plug here that says that's what we teach people to do in the Thought Leader Collaborative is there's there's formulas, there's methodologies, there's best practices. Uh, One more plug. You and I are actually doing a free webinar. If you listen to this prior to December 14th, right, is that the date? Yeah. 1 p.m. We're doing a webinar where we're teaching you some of the methodologies. Again, this is for free some of the stuff that we're actually sharing with our members of the lab in greater detail, but it's at least a hierarchy of what types of posts could you do? Because it's not the 1000 word essay that it's not the white paper. It's written in a different style. It's written in a different tone. Um, you need to consider very quick hooks at the beginning so that people will click the see more button, etc. So there's all sorts of intricacies, but um, to your point is like, you can use, you've said this a lot, you could use LinkedIn as sort of a beta test for shorter form content that if you see is really resonating, you can create the longer form piece that you do ultimately publish on your website or turn into a white paper or maybe shop around to third party publishing opportunities, say trade media, et cetera. Um, We can come to that if we want, but I just wanted to say it also, Jay, can work in the reverse. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll work with a professional service provider to flesh out the full idea. Um, And I have a quick formula for that that I'll share. And then I'll take that finished piece and carve it up into sections and share each of those as text posts. So what I like to do when I'm approaching a thought leadership article, there's three main sections. I'll give give away my, my secret sauce. I always start with a section that is why. So why is this issue important? Who is it affecting? What is the impact? Why is, am I even writing this? That's a section. Section two is how my client or how I solve the problem. You know, this is a way to change that problem or that narrative um, illustrated in the why section. And then the what section at the end is three or four actionable takeaways. This is what you can do as your next steps. Why, how, what? Altogether, that's about a 900 to 1200 word article. And that's something that you can send out to people if you have it on your website or an email. But each of those sections works as a post on its own. Why something is important is thought leadership. How you solve a problem that's important is thought leadership. That could be its own LinkedIn post. 
what you can do. It's also thought leadership. So I'm for some of my clients, Jay, doing all of the above. I'm writing that full article, posting it to the blog, shopping it around to get published, um, emailing it out to an email newsletter, but then also taking segments of that, maybe tweaking it a little bit and sharing each of those discrete posts on LinkedIn. So it can be all, it can be both ways, uh, but it certainly needs to start or at least include rented land opportunities. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's both, I think, again, this, we're going to get to this theme and conclude this episode, I think with a lot of there's, there's not one single approach that's right, but you need to be thinking about all, the, all these things. Cause I, you do hear a lot about, you know, you need to take long form content and repurpose it down into short form content that you share on LinkedIn. Um, you know, what I was describing before was the opposite, right? Where you start with mm -hmm. short form content, um, the ideas that really resonate with your audience, then you use that data to, you know, invest in building it out into longer form. So I think all of these things are are good approaches. There's not one perfect way to, to think about it. Um, and I really like, you know, the methodology you, you laid out there, Tom, too. So, um, so I guess, is it fair to say that what we're advocating, I mean, we're not advocating for everything, but we're, we just, I think it's important that people understand the distinctions, right? Understand mm -hmm. the, the, um, kind of the lay of the land and, and the world we're operating in from a content standpoint, you know, the fact that the job isn't just the creation of content, but, um, I think as, as Mark Schaefer puts it, um, it's. The real value is in the transmission of content, which is what drives your returns. Um, so he says, so build a competency in moving content everywhere, every day. Um, and I think that kind of sums things up uh, really well. Um, it's good to have a platform. It's good to have a home base that people can come find. But that's that's sort of the, for more and more these days, the end of the journey for your mm -hmm. prospect where they're going to more than likely discover you somewhere else. And that's someplace that they frequent, you know, so it might be LinkedIn or it might be the trade association, you know, trade journal that gets sent out quarterly that you appeared in, in an article it's, you've got to go find your audience is the point. And, and by doing that and immersing yourself within those ecosystems where those people, you know, consume information, you're going to have a much easier time than just sitting back and, and hoping that people find your website, which is increasingly just a tiny needle in a haystack. Yep. My two main takeaways, I think that I would impart for listeners to this podcast and my two main takeaways from Mark's article. Number one is just, it's a mindset shift So we, I always used to draw the um, hub and spoke model where the hub was the most important. That was the end destination. And that was the primary objective of a content marketing strategy. Uh, the mindset shift is not that anymore. It's going to where the audiences live, work and play and serving content directly up in those environments like LinkedIn, for example. So that's a mindset shift. Doesn't mean that you're gonna throw away your blog, I don't think, um, but it, what is the primary objective first, which is to meet the audiences again, where they live, work and play. Mark Schaefer says, set your content free, right? So yep. don't, hide it, don't uh, gate it, but get it out there. So that's one. And then the second thing is then from the mindset shift is it's definitely a tactical um, redirection, which is start with in, in making the mindset shift. Now look at your content strategy and the actual steps of execution through that prism and do either what you did or both. One is um, like a pr start with LinkedIn as an example, probably the best example for our audience with shorter posts that aren't perfect pros and get content out there on a regular basis. You advocate daily, at least weekly, multiple times a week, and just get it out there with no links. 
right? And in no, I wouldn't even do video. I wouldn't do anything fancy for a while to start with the text um, and then figure out which content you're going to create longer form content for or and or the approach where it's, all right, I'm going to write this full length article and I know that's going to live on my website, but I need to take that first and get that content out into bite-sized, uh, you know, digestible chunks on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever the appropriate community is. But the whole idea is this, the, for 2022, you need a new content plan and a strategy that focuses on rented land first and foremost without throwing away owned land. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can imagine the, you know, the law firm out there that's, you know, good size, like an AMLAW 200 firm that's contemplating a, you know, a $750,000 new website in 2022 um, and, and thinking like, you know, what would happen in terms of positive return on investment if instead of, you know, instead of maybe putting that investment into um, a, a new website, generating, you know, doing the, putting in the sweat equity to get, you know, some significant amount of their 1000, you know, professionals who work at their firm, um, sharing content on LinkedIn every day. Uh, you know, if, assuming everyone has an average of a thousand followers, that'd be a million, million reaches a day, potentially right among that audience, mm -hmm. how much more value would, would that be? So that, you know, yes, it's important to have a good website. We all know that it's a branding mechanism and it's something that's sort of a check the box thing, but to, to, to overlook or to not heavily invest in, um, you know, that rented land strategy on top of that is just a huge missed opportunity. And I don't want to like go into a whole other topic, but another mindset shift, I think, is what you just illustrated, which is I think we need to stop thinking in terms of the firm marketing its thought leadership content mm -hmm. and the attorneys need to do it. For one, yeah. what do they always say? People hire the attorney, not the firm. But two is going back to the algorithms, your brand page, even if it has thousands of followers, that content is not being shared through the algorithm nearly as readily as an individual person's will be. So you need to sort of get the foot soldiers out there with the content. So not only do you set your content free, you got to set your people free too, right? Yeah. Well, and for the reason that like every social platform um, that has company pages, they want you to boost that, the the distribution of that content through paid advertising. So yeah. A so firm, they suppress it. They suppress it. Like you're not going to get any, you're not going to have any reach whatsoever. And that, it, but with individuals, you know, they, you can set it free, like you said, and, um, and that's what we're advocating for. So um, in any event, um, and and join the lab. <laughs> yes, and we'll and teach you, you can how. Learn out how to do all this stuff. We'll right? join you how. So, all right, Tom. Well, let's let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, one final call to action. If you want to learn more about the Thought Leader Collaborative and kind of focus on some of the things we've been talking about today and, and adopt them in your own content creation efforts, visit thoughtleadercollaborative.com. And um, we will be back next week with another episode, Tom, and probably building on some of these same themes. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com. 